Welcome to Big G in Conversation, the podcast from inside Guelph City Hall. Hi, I'm Wendy King, and on today's show, we're talking with the folks from the city's Parks, Finance, and Climate Change Office about greening wealth and the impact that has on Guelph's finances and energy goals. Let's move into Council Chambers and get started. Such an important topic, the greening of Guelph. Welcome Gene Matthews, General Manager of Parks, Tara Baker, City Treasurer and General Manager of Finance, and Brian Johan, Manager of Corporate Energy and Climate Change. Welcome, everybody. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Wendy. So I understand that Guelph has been designated as a Trees City of the World. So, Gene, that might be for me, for you rather, but it sounds like a huge honor. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that is, Wendy, for me, for sure. So, uh, Tree City of the World, um, it's an honor that's been given on behalf of the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations and the Arbor uh, Day Foundation. Um, Tree Cities of the World is an international program that celebrates cities for the care and planning they put into our urban forests, and that's in five specific areas. So establishing responsibility, setting some rules around our urban forest, knowing what we have, allocating resources, and of of course, celebrating achievements. So forgive my basic question here, but do you as the city literally know how many trees you have, the health of all the trees, locations, et cetera? So we know locations of um, through G- GIS systems that we have, pretty much every tree um, that we have in the city of Guelph, and it's right around 2.9 million trees. And the economic replacement value of those trees is estimated at about $803 million. I think we've all noticed how incredible being outside and all of this is the pandemic. So, I mean, they're valuable for so many reasons, not the least of which is our mental health, right? Absolutely. We're seeing a lot of increased use in all of our open spaces and our green spaces across Guelph. And I think that's common across most municipalities uh, in the world right now. Yeah, I think so. So as a bit of an overview, uh, I understand that you're in phase two of the city's urban forest management plan. Can you tell me what that is exactly? Absolutely. So our urban forest management plan um, is a 20 year long term plan with nested short term management and operating plans. The plan has 22 recommendations, which um, speak to everything from tree planting priorities through to bylaw renewal um, and development. And it, it really is segregated into four kind of specific pods. So management and monitoring of our urban forests, and that's getting a sense of what do we have um, and how is it doing? The, the second pod would be legislation, policies, and guidelines. So again, those are things like tree technical manuals, um, um, how we care for our trees, the city of Guelph, and bylaws that we need to develop or revisit. Um, It also speaks to protecting, enhancing, and planting of our urban forests. So that's, of course, protection of what we have, retention of what we have, and further establishment of the urban forest, and making sure the species um, is aligned with the footprint of the city of Guelph. And then I think one of the most important parts is that that fourth module is outreach, stewardship, and partnerships. So that's engaging residents, engaging opportunities to make sure our urban forest is well-maintained in the city of Guelph. 
That was my next question. Does the average citizen have a role to play in those goals? They do. Um, so planting trees, um, engaging um, when we're when we're back to uh, uh, the new normal post COVID nineteen, engaging tree planting days, um, being mindful of impacts that they may have on trees that they don't know about. So um, you know proper planting of trees at their home, making sure that if they're going to be doing works on their property that. They're engaging good tree protection while they're doing those works so that trees uh, aren't harmed. And then just leaning in as a community. So I very much found in my time with Guelph, Wendy, that we have a very passionate um, community uh, within uh, Guelph, a better urban forest. So leaning in and being engaged absolutely um, helps the health of our urban forest. I've read also about parkland dedication. Could you outline mm -hmm. what that is? Sure. So parkland dedication, put simply, is that is making sure that as um, the city of Guelph grows and develops, that our parkland grows and develops with it. So through the development process um, that is engaged with our planning team and developers, there's a part of that, um, those processes that dictate whether cash in lieu or property uh, will be allocated through that development to go towards green space um, and park space for residents of the city of Guelph. Okay, so we'll come back to some of the challenges that you face, but there's a lot of talk about climate change. We've all witnessed all this strange weather patterns around the world. Um, this may be for Brian, but whoever, um, what can we do to help the trees through climate change? I think it was a lot of what, what Gene was saying, you know, let's give some consideration and, and help that out so that, uh, you know, we're given proper watering or, you know, making sure that we're put in the right uh, soils and planting them properly in, in the right varieties as well. Um, and, uh, you know, enjoy them too. They're, they're so important to us and the mental health, like you were saying, and getting out there. Uh, that's part of it too, because the more we enjoy it, the more we respect them, and the more we engage in, in making sure that they're healthy. So for sure, we know they're beneficial. And Tara, I guess this may be where you come in. Um, can you put a money figure on how beneficial? Uh, thanks, uh, Wendy. That's a, that's a tough question. I, I don't think I could actually quantify uh, the exact dollar value of how beneficial. Uh, you've heard kind of from Gene the total value of that tree asset, um, uh, over $800 million. Uh, so, um, you know, the... I think though, like in terms of benefit, you have to you have to also look at um, the flood mitigation. Um, there's a number of kind of real good impacts that it has that definitely would protect our infrastructure as well. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I don't exactly know how to quantify it, but there's definitely value. Yeah, for sure. And does investing in green projects uh, actually pay for itself? So I, I don't, I mean, I'll start. I think uh, there's there's definitely in some cases, uh, depending on the project, I think it can. It can have like a, a, a payback plan that, uh, that can pay for the capital investment. And the city's got a really uh, great example of that with uh, our recent streetlight replacement project that uh, we are planning to fund through the savings uh, that, that are resulting from from a much more efficient um, light fixture. Uh, so, so that's an example of where yes, it can be uh, self uh, funding, um, but then there's other other projects that just don't have that same return. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing it. 
uh, because there's so many other benefits, uh, not just uh, from the financial perspective. And it may not be just right now, but it's a return on investment, as you were saying. Right. I think that a lot of these projects and, you know, what the, the one that comes to mind and Brian could could speak more to it is is our uh, plan for, um, you know, the the movement to electrifying our fleet. But, you know, that's probably the the project that's going to give us the most value in terms of reduce reducing our carbon footprint related to our vehicles. Um, but likely that is not going to pay for itself in terms of the the financial piece but the value and the long-term benefit for health and everything else um, i think absolutely will pay off in the long run yeah brian did you want to add to that yeah for sure i, I think tara hit it right there in terms of the extra value or the side or the cool benefits of it all i mean you know with with a healthy uh urban forest and, and trees in the neighborhood again we're seeing it through covid uh, it, it's given us an escape. Uh, it's, you know, from, from the mental pressures and whatnot that's going on. Um, it, it's connecting us with the environment and outside. So it, it's, it's brought a lot of health to the community. But it's even looking at some of the climate change aspects to the value of, you know, having better air quality, um, being able to capture some of that CO2 that's in the atmosphere that we're putting out through the energy and, and, and activities that we're doing. And then, and then, and Tara touched on it too. From the infrastructure side of it, um, you know, it's it's helping us mitigate against flood. Uh, it's helping us against you know heat stress, providing shade during those really hot uh, extreme weather days, right? And those things are hard to quantify and monetize, but there's definite value um, uh, in the in the short term and in the long term, and it's something that we can't forget. I was noticing in the notes, there's something called the tree canopy. Uh, does that protect us from changing climate and maybe some extreme weather events? I would definitely say so, yeah. Um, again, uh, having a strong canopy brings a lot of biodiversity. Um, so, you know, it, that, that helps from, you know, having, uh, a, again, a healthy environment and in, in outdoors. Um, having the canopy as well being robust, it does have a lot of soil retention or helps with that soil retention. So again, you know, it's, it's keeping our basements dry and, and making sure that we're not getting flooded out. And then, and then I mentioned as well, you know, it, it provides shade um, and, uh, you know, it, it protects us from that heat island effect that we see when we have a lot of black asphalt and, and whatnot and how that sucks up all that heat. So it is helping, uh, it is definitely helping our community. And back to some challenges. We often hear about uh, gypsy moth or emerald ash borer. That all sounds very problematic. So how do you anticipate and maybe fend that off? So um, for certain, um, our urban forest management, urban forest um, does have challenge as any forest um, or any urban forest um, certainly does, Wendy. So um, the good news is, and then I'll go over some of the challenges that we are really starting to ramp up some of our monitoring programs as dictated through the urban forest management plan so that, st that staff have the resources to do a different job at forecasting what invasive species, for the example, what other challenges might be coming our way. So emerald ash borer, of course, caught a lot of folks on the back foot and approaches maybe um, where 
um, a little bit reactionary over a decade ago. Gypsy moth, where we're not seeing that be a significant risk at present to our urban forest canopy, we are starting to increase our monitoring effort efforts towards that invasive species to make sure that we're that we're preparing and we're aware of what the scope of those challenges may be. Beyond that, though, our urban forest um, obviously faces challenges through wildlife. So um, beaver beaver destruction, as an example, can be significant weather. Um, so as the weather becomes more volatile um, and as ice storms, for an example, can increase, that, of course, can have very significant um, impacts to our urban forest um, uh, canopy. Other infrastructure conflicts that we have for, through to, you know, um, larger development through to more homeowner uh, related uh, development that we have. And then we need to do a job um, at increasing the resources and the knowledge that staff have so that we can be more proactive um, and responsive to those challenges that our urban forest canopy faces. Do you have like percentages uh, between how many buildings you can have and how much green space? Not that I am aware of um, right now, Wendy. That's something we could have a have a a, a, a look into um, after our time today and get back to you. But not that I'm aware of um, off the top of my head right now. So it's a huge undertaking, though, to do all of this to figure out where you're going to look after and and maintaining and and planting. So you obviously can't do it just as the city you must have a lot of partnerships and also citizen engagement absolutely so there are provincial organizations trees ontario um, we have the guelph urban forest friends as one example um, of many uh, stakeholders and engaged residents that we have that are supporting our efforts for sure and we're happy um, to have um, that level of engagement and we need it you might have covered this already but uh, how do you figure that trees help us use less energy? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, some of the things, again, uh, you know, in the summer times, they do protect us from that sun. So as we're running our air conditioners and we're trying to stay cool during that all, you know, the 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 the, the trees do cast a good um, a good shade on our housing if it is done properly. Um, even from a water perspective. So, I mean, if we have trees there, they are protecting our lawns and, and our flower beds and whatnot, too. Uh, so, I mean, the Healthy Landscapes is a wicked program that I like to use that, that's offered by the city. And, you know, it's using that uh, to reduce our water use. And remember that it does take a lot to treat water, a lot of energy to treat water and a lot of energy to, to, to pump that water to the houses. Right. How do you think projects like the Parks and Rec Master Plan is going to help further green wealth? So our Parks and Recreation Master Plan will be that document that helps guide um, resident feedback, resident input, um, staff expertise um, and awareness, and the vision that um, the Guelph Strategic Plan has and that council have for a variety of initiatives um, and opportunities at Guelph. That plan will really help us prioritize um, in budget conversations, um, in asset retention and creation conversations, um, new park development, really how and when um, we're going to engage those kinds of works. That really is coming from, again, 
from opinion and comment from the public and residents what they are needing and seeing as priorities linked through the overall strategic plan of the city of Guelph and to the desire of council. Do you feel like you have a lot of support uh, council-wise and also community-wise about all of your plans? Certainly from the from the parks um, perspective, very much I do feel like we have that support for sure. And we see that in um, stakeholder meetings that we have uh, when we're developing um, these master plans, when we see council members putting us in contact with residents that have ideas or have thoughts or have challenges that they're seeing in their backyards, in their communities, um, and then to supporting um, and leading through budget conversations to make sure that we have those uh, those alignments. So I would say that, yes, uh, from the parks perspective, very much feel like we have that support from council. I'd, I'd like to quickly add too, I mean, uh, one of our, our strategic pillars is sustaining our future and it, and it does talk on on making sure that we are having a healthy green infrastructure and looking at the urban forest and maintaining that. And then again, it, it, the tie into uh, energy conservation and climate change and all that. So yes. It seems like people are really paying attention to that kind of thing now. Do you think so? Yes, definitely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there. I mean, climate emergencies and climate crises uh, throughout different municipalities, including Guelph. Um, I'm always feeling the pressure, and, and it's good pressure. Uh, we want to keep moving, and it gives me the motivation uh, to work with all of our teams and the organization itself to do real action in, in addressing climate change and mitigating uh, the CO2. With all the plans you have, uh, how big of a staff do you have? So in, oh. <laughs> in, in parks, um, which includes our forestry operations through to our horticulture operations and sports surfaces, we have 47 permanent full-time team members. And then when we um, expand to our summer operations, we add anywhere from 150 to 180 contract um, and seasonal employees. And um, like most folks would say, um, yes, there's a lot of work to go around and a lot of work to do. Before we look to add any staffing resources, we wanna make sure we, we have the right plans and the right strategies in place so that we're deploying our team members and their expertise um, as effectively and efficiently as we possibly can. Has COVID thrown a monkey wrench into any of your plans? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> any and all <laughs> so from the parks perspective as the example um very much uh, because of the impacts to COVID 19 we really delayed and pared down our seasonal hiring and that did um unfortunately but understandably did delay some of the work that we do and we're just looking at picking a lot of those works back up and reprioritizing it so we can get caught up time for that rapid fire so whoever wants to handle these will just go quick but what impact do all the initiatives you talked about have on the city budget? So I'll take this one. Um, the, you know, the sustaining uh, our future pillar uh, encompasses a lot of what was talked about today, as well as um, other strategies related to stormwater and kind of like broader climate change. And um, so, you know, we've got a strategy in place. Uh, it's a longer term funding strategy and, and we're uh, asking council on an annual basis to start incrementally increasing the investment towards that 100% renewable uh, goal. 
And so it's absolutely has an impact on budget, but we also hope that um, as we start mature, that that some of the savings uh, can be reinvested and uh, that we're also getting grant funding from other levels of government and, and including our partners in the community to helping us do this through maybe, um, you know, development uh, type uh, standards and, and those those types of uh, processes as well. And how do all the initiatives that we talked about benefit the community? I know that's a big question. I, I since it's it's quiet, I'll I'll hop in again. I think you know, generally everything we talked about today is about uh, the benefit to the community. Um, you know, uh, you know, water conservation. Guelph is you know we're land we're landlocked and uh, we rely heavily on water. Um, you know, we it's it's protecting our assets. It's providing health benefits. So overall, I think, uh, I think the, this entire strategy is, is just really because of the benefits to the community. And what may be one word to describe why the city wants to move forward on all of this? For the benefit of our community, hard to put it in one word, but really, um, because not everything can be one word, but I really think for the benefit of residents and the betterment of our community, Wendy. Perfect. Well, you all make me want to go out and hug trees and learn more about trees. So my thanks to Brian, Tara, and Jean for your time and your expertise. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you. I'm Wendy King with the City of Guelph's Big G in Conversation podcast. Thanks for joining me. If you have ideas for a show or comments, you can email biggpodcast at guelph.ca. Until next time, take care and let's keep the conversation going.